The vibration of change, that magical place where life shifts from struggle to ease, from stagnation to forward movement, from old ways of being to new ways of becoming. Yes, it can seem rather elusive to get there, but when you are in it, you feel it down to your very core, and it can positively affect everything in your life, from your relationships to your health and well-being, from your career path to your abundance, from the quality of your inner connection to the fullness of your self-expression. Here on The Christine Uptrich Show, we explore ways to get into that vibration of change with experts in the fields of consciousness, psychology, spirituality, health, healing, and science. Are you ready to step into your vibration of change? Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Christine Uptrich Show here on KKNW AM 1150 in the Seattle area and on Transformation Talk Radio around the world. I'd like to say hello to the two people behind technology. There are two, actually many, but they're they're the ones who are connected right now. Mr. Benny Mathers at KKNW. Hey, Benny. Hi, Christine. How are you? You know, it's odd not doing this in the studio anymore, but... Um, I'm getting used to like a one corner or another in my house, <laughs> but I miss seeing you every week. Well, now you know and how I, I feel was... every time when I sit here at the desk. Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> it, it, I'm sure it's a little different there in the studio these days eh. at Hubbard Radio. It's, it's about the same, to be honest. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> and I want to say hi to Olivia at TransformationTalkRadio.com, who um, is doing her part in the technology. Uh, I want to say... Hello and thank you to her. Hey, Olivia. Hey there, Christine. Good morning. Beautiful Good day. Good morning. <laughs> and you, you know, I'm really excited about our show today. I think that for most of us, we have this perception of our value really being to tell the truth, both to other people and to ourselves. And for many of us on a conscious level, that's a value. But our guest today is going to be talking about how, you know, oftentimes we really don't want people to tell us the truth. And oftentimes we don't tell the truth and why it is that happens and what we can do about it. It's going to be a fascinating conversation. But before I introduce him, we're going to introduce him. We're going to go to a quick 60 second break. Stay tuned. The vibration of change, that magical place where life shifts from struggle to ease, from stagnation to forward movement from old ways of being to new ways of becoming. If you're like I am, it can be rather elusive to get there, but when you are in it, you feel it down to your very core, don't you? And it can positively affect everything in your life, from your relationships to your health and well-being, from your career path to your abundance, from the quality of that inner connection to the fullness of your self-expression. On The Christine Uptrich Show, we explore ways to get into that vibration of change, with experts in the fields of consciousness, psychology, spirituality, health, healing, and science. Join me, Christine Upchurch, every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on KKNW AM 1150 and Transformation Talk Radio and learn new ways to step into your vibration of change. Welcome back to the Christine Upchurch Show here on KKNW and Transformation Talk Radio. You know, um, I'm excited about our conversation today because when I heard the title of this man's book, I knew that we had to have him on the show. I'm just going to give you a sneak preview here. It's called Please Lie to Me. And I find that to be absolutely fascinating. Um, his name is Thompson Barton. And back in 1991, he founded Barton White Associates, 
which is an organizational transformation consulting and training firm that specializes, specializes in identifying and reducing the cost of defensiveness to business using something called accountable communication technology. In 2018, he published this book, Please Lie to Me, which challenges business owners and leaders to take back control of their cultures from fear. In doing so, they reach unattainable, previously unattainable degrees of effectiveness and productivity. And, you know, he talks a lot about business in here, but it's really about personal communication. I'd like to welcome our guest today, Thompson Barton. Hi, Tommy. I'm, I'm used to calling you Tommy, so I'm going to call you Tommy. How you doing? Do that. You know, when I first heard the title of your book, I thought, um, it's so true. It, before I really understood all the reasons why, it just felt true. Please lie to me. So what prompted you once upon a time to look at the lies in the business culture? Let's see. I would say that that started when I went to graduate school in 1980, let's say, a uh, program uh, in holistic psychology founded by Will Schutz, who, among other things, um, of his nine books, one of them was entitled, and it was one of the most recent, the most recent, perhaps, uh, The Truth Option. And the graduate school was founded, and he's been an eminent psychologist, uh, taught psychometrics at Harvard for many years, mm -hmm. out at UCLA and so forth, and ended up, as it were, at, at Esalen Institute in, in California. And, uh, and he had decided as a psychologist and all the work he'd done in psychology that, you know what? The key to physical, mental, and spiritual aliveness, like the whole thing, all those systems functioning as, uh, as optimally as they can, had, were three principles, basic, broke down to three things. One, uh, not necessarily in this order, but these are three components. One, self-awareness. That is me being open with me about what I'm thinking, what I'm feeling. That's a measure of openness because we have in our culture this marvelous phrase which covers the other possibility, which look, you know what, Christine, I think you're kidding yourself here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so right. we have the capacity to kid ourselves, like that's an option. Sure. I love the title of that book, Truth Options. Like you don't have to tell the truth. We all know we don't have to tell the truth because we don't frequently. Mm -hmm. So that was the first principle. So look, you, you gotta raise your awareness to even know how you're operating in order to maximize your, your um, optimize your, your living in those three areas of broken down in mind, body, spirit. Though at the time, that's what we thought of as holism. The second principle was, or another one was, not only do you first have to know what, be open with yourself, not kid yourself. Secondly, be open about what's true for you all the time. That mm -hmm. is, say what you're thinking and say what you're feeling. It, be real, be authentic. Mm -hmm. Anything other than that, and there's some measure, and the reason I got, I, I distilled this whole thing down to fear, is there's some measure of fear. Now, psychologically, you'd be called insecurities. I'm not right. so sure that if I were really open with you, you would not get angry or think I'm stupid or have mm -hmm. some kind of reaction to me to kind of pull back, and then where right. would I be? You wouldn't like me or you think this person's stupid. I don't want to hang around with them. So those are some fears. So that's why I'm not going to be open with you. Those are just okay. very quick shorthand examples. Mm -hmm. The third principle was assume that you are uh, completely responsible for everything you're experiencing. 
Now, when we didn't, and that's a point of view, that's, that's just a point of view, it's a point of view, it's a way to look at what's, to, to look at what's happening to me and what's not happening. Right. And the point there was, look, you're better off to consider that you're creating all of this stuff some, one way or another, rather than you have no clue what's happening in your life and you have no clue why that person's reacting to you mm -hmm. this way or that way or why you didn't get the job or why this person's... So, so it's better to assume what am I doing or not doing right now about anything in my life that I say I'm dissatisfied with and I want it differently. Mm -hmm. Of course, that, that requires getting out of victimhood, which so many people are stuck in. It just, as I say it in, in business, I say, look, you got this deck of cards you like to play with. And one of the cards in your deck is, is blame, which means somebody's doing something to me. So right. in order to be to um, move into, as, you, as your title of the show goes, your explanation, to transform in any way you want, but we're talking about the word aliveness here, so in all ways, that blame card, out of the deck. You can no longer play that card, which means I'm not a victim to anything. That's how the victim thing is handled. But the victim piece for transformation absolutely must leave the equation of how one looks at what's happening to them and, and what's not happening. Mm -hmm. um, I got, I still have cancer, it's in remission, but uh, mm -hmm. I assume that cancer is a verb. I'm cancering myself. Uh -huh. Now, if I look at it that way, rather, well, cancer just happens like randomly, like how, look, right. like way about fitness, which is true and eating, eating a very <clears throat> intentional way that I think is the most healthy for my body and left. How come I got cancer and this other guy over here could care less about what he eats, doesn't uh -huh. exercise at all. How come that guy's not got cancer? I mean, wait a minute, this isn't fair. Right, right. <laughs> rather than look at it that way, it's like, okay, what, what am I getting out of this cancer? What's my payoff for this? Uh, if I look at it rather than, oh, this sucks, poor me and all that, if I go, huh, now, what, what is this, what's in it for me? And I'm not, this is not original with me. Helen Keller, for instance, blind and deaf, right? Uh -huh. Helen Keller said, among other things, that it was being blind and deaf that she would never have reached the realizations and the kind of life, the fulfilling experience she had if she had not been blind or deaf. Sure. So, so there's that point. Those were the three things that got, and, and we introduced those to me and I was in the graduate school and I was immersed in those three things and it was from that that I drew the conclusion that I did in answer to your question. Right. So, you know, these are fascinating concepts to apply in personal relationships, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that um, even our most intimate relationships were really afraid of telling the truth. But you decided to apply it to business. What's the benefit of applying it to business world? Well, um, yeah, you, in fact, I think you mentioned it when you introduced me. Um, one of the phrases I use, in fact, if we get asked, although not so much these days, but if I'm flying on an airplane, the person next to you says, mm, what's your business? What do you do? And uh, I would frequently say, well, I'm a specialist in identifying and reducing the cost of defensiveness to business organizations. You should have seen the looks I got. It's like, the <laughs> okay, so I'm going, what does that mean? The next best guess is, oh, you work for the Pentagon. No. <laughs> you know, I love that. that. <laughs> but some of those surveillance things, you saw those things? Or, yeah. No, that ain't it either. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> defensive, so why I say defensiveness, um, why I use that word, is because the form, the form in which our fear of one another uh -huh. shows up behaviorally is in 
defensive behavior, what's called defensive behavior. In my Makes book, sense. I have a couple of pages of that. For example, okay. blaming is a defensive behavior. Mm-hmm. Criticizing is a defensive behavior. Having to be right is a defensive behavior. Because the key word mm-hmm. in that sentence is having to be right. I want to be right. Who doesn't want to be right? But when sure. I have to be right, that's a bit of a neurosis. And if I have to be right in this conversation with you or in the meeting, you have to be wrong. Yeah. That's what's necessary for me to be right. So you either agree with me or you're wrong. Mm-hmm. And in business, that's a problem if people are not truly and open listening to one another rather than having to be right. Um, you know that phrase, uh, uh, yes men, you've heard that in business? Sure, oh yeah. Most people have. Well, what, what does that mean? What is a yes man? What's that denoting? It, it's, it's acquiescing to somebody else's truth. Because? Because you're afraid. There you go. Yeah. I'm afraid if I said this, if it's my boss, I'm afraid like, mm, the boss isn't going to like it because the last time I'd said something like this, I noticed the boss's face kind of got scrunched up. Yeah. It's like didn't like it. And that's the person that pays me. And it's important for that person to like me. Or mm-hmm. the person didn't think that this was a smart idea. And I want the person to think I'm smart, so I don't want to look dumb. I'm afraid uh-huh. of looking dumb. So we get this yes men thing, which is widely known, widely held. Mm-hmm. And it stifles a complete flow of intellectual information, data, problem solving. And, and yet I think that people have this perception that if they don't, if they're not a good soldier in their business, then the business doesn't function well. Um, how, how do you convince the people who are higher up that this is a necessity for both creativity and, and having a functional business? When I get into the, com- let's just take it from the top. When I get into initial, co- so someone calls me, wants to know about, they read the book or something, they wanna, they wanna hear more about it. Right. I, I, my uh, business life has um, gone along by me being called. I don't, ha- I don't do marketing. I don't mm-hmm. just call a lot, and just get called a lot, so I don't need to go yeah. convince anyone. But here's the turning point, very quickly. Uh, it, it is this. I just say to the person, how important is it to you that the people that report to you trust one another and trust you? And I'm not looking, I'm not asking that rhetorically. It could be asked rhetorically, but I'm not. And I even say that to make sure that I'm not, I don't want a PC answer here. I want you to tell me from a business standpoint, from a business standpoint, why does it matter that you all trust one another? And I find out right there if the person, to what extent they've thought it through, They've mm-hmm. made the connections. Well, there's stuff that I don't hear from them. Then there's these breakdowns and I got to wade through all these excuses and they all blaming one another. I can't find out what's going on. Meanwhile, this is costing me money. For example. And so um, that's the, that you talk. So being open um, it, with one another and in a business, it all funnels to one purpose, which is the more open I am with you and the more open you are with me, now, let me add now, and, and I'd like to get to it at some point. I'm, account- I'm talking about accountable openness. Uh-huh. And, and so what does it mean to be accountable? I'm just going to pass through this for the moment. I'm not talking about brutally honest, which is a form of openness, but it's not accountable. And it uh-huh. is not useful. So, so, so to the extent that, that people are open with one another, uh-huh. then you get a fl- it's just like opening or closing. A- In fact, you know what? Uh, defensiveness is like plaque in the 
arteries to the heart. It builds up and slows down flow. It's the same yeah. kind of stuff. So we right. need to get that out of there. And the, the person who is in charge needs to be clear, and they usually have an inkling or they wouldn't be talking to me, right? That look, this is costing me that we don't trust one another. You want me to speak to accountable openness? Would you like that right now? Is that what you wanted? Mm-hmm. Sure. Was it, that, did I get that? Was that your question or was it something? Yeah, that, that no, that, and, and that is, um, it's important. And I think in terms of personal relationships, they talk about the difference between confrontation and carefrontation. Whereas the, it's, it's about saying the same thing, um, but doing it in a way that's for productive productivity as opposed to, um, to harm somebody or hurt somebody. It sounds to me like in the business world, that's, that's what you mean by um, that kind of accountable communication and, accountable. and honesty. Accountable openness, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> uh, just make another comment about unaccountable openness, um, criticism frequently, which you said harmful. So I can be criticizing you, uh, pointing out how you didn't do this, how that's a lousy idea, how this was your fault. Right. For most people, unless you happen to run across, I will put this caveat there. Unless you run across someone with true high self-esteem, which you may run across one of those people in your lifetime. (laughs) Here's what I mean by that. No, I know. I'm laughing because it's true. Okay, cool. Yeah. For the listener, just so you all can say, well, what does it mean by that? What I mean by that is you can attack someone. You can get, so so if, let's say I'm attacking someone. I'm being uh, unaccountably open, which is a form of defensiveness, of course. And I'm attacking a person who has high self-esteem. They will not get defensive right away. Mm-hmm. If I'm blaming them, they will not blame back. They won't yeah. interrupt. They won't do any of that. They will merely find what I have to say interesting mm-hmm. not offensive can you imagine a space like that when and, you- and I've, I've met a couple of people like that and it really has to do with um attachment um attachment to wanting other people to like us attachment to wanting people to think like us um and attachment to this concept that what other people think of us um relates to our value as human beings or our lovability yeah, exactly. The first two you named, the likability and agreeing, that attachment to that is really an attachment to the fear that if you really knew me, you wouldn't like me. Mm-hmm. I'm attached to that fear. That is, I believe it. And that that's the filter through which I'm listening and behaving inter- interpersonally. Does, does, mm-hmm. does that make sense so far? Yeah, absolutely. And the second absolutely. That agreeing is I want to, one, I want to be agreeable because agreeable people are well-liked. Mm-hmm thought well of, no confrontation, no friction, this is nice. I wanna be agreeable so that you will like me. And I wanna be agreeable so, you know, even if I do disagree, but I'm not sure my, of my disagreement, I don't wanna appear stupid. So I, my fear that I might look uh, incompetent in your mm-hmm. eyes. So I'm just not going to disagree with that for those reasons. Both, and that is an attachment to the fear that I named, but it's an attachment because, and I say attachment, because that fear is so strong that the person who is attached like that will not get outside of the sphere of it. Mm-hmm. That is I'm attached. Yeah. So thus, the please lie to me again. I'd actually rather have you not be straight and me not be straight with you because I do not want to deal with my fear of exposing myself. You won't like me if I say this. You'll think I'm stupid mm-hmm. or you'll yeah. just dis- like, don't have much to say. And I think about um, the business world, whether we're talking about in a retail situation or um, 
you know, like an office situation, there's usually some sort of infighting. There's usually some sort of um, dislike of one or more people and, and there are little cliques that form because there's this dysfunctionality. So are, are, are you, Tommy, saying that in situations like that, people really need to face and even communicate on some level their dislike or disagreement um, with others? I mean, it sounds like it, it's, it's, it's risky, right? Uh, no, it's not risky. Now, I know what the right's coming from. Like, that's, it's risky, right? Like, everybody gets this, right? I mean, everybody yeah. knows it's risky, right? So that, that's what I'm commenting on. Let me go back to the, where I'm going to call it the page we started when you said, well, tell me about this accountable openness. Okay. Okay, you with me here? Because of yeah. the breakdown there that I think a listener might go, wait a minute, they didn't finish talking about that. But it ties into just what you're saying. And so here's the answer. I'm going to go backward from the ask, last question you just asked me. So in terms, of a, in terms of accountable openness, it would comprise of the following. Actually, the comment about self-esteem is so people with high self-esteem do not get offended. They don't. You can rail at them. You can blame them. They only find it interesting. And what they're seeing, by the way, quite simply, to close that one up, they're seeing someone, they're witnessing someone whose moment, at least then, is being driven by fear. Uh-huh. So they're not taking this personally because this person is bound up in fear, which is causing this behavior, and yeah. that's what they see. And so it just doesn't land uh, as an insult because you can't insult them. Right. And, and of course, it doesn't mean that somebody like that in a situation like that wouldn't set a boundary saying, you know, I don't want to listen to this screaming or, you know, when, when you're ready to be calm, you know, we'll, we'll talk later. Um, I think that some people think that in order to be highly evolved, they need to just sit there and take whatever, even if they're not being defensive. Well, um, if they're taking something, using that word the way it's usually defined, uh -huh. they're actually pretending in my opinion, listening to you. Okay. Actually, not, they're not in that, you said evolved, I'm using high self-esteem, kind of made a jump there to the spiritual end of things. Sure. Um, they're actually pretending because I'm an evolved person and, and evolved people don't do that. So that's back to, that's just a tricky piece of ego, in my opinion. Hmm. The, the, uh, so uh, now let's, let's go back to that real quick. Let's go back to that real quick, Tommy, because are you saying that um, even if somebody's not taking something personally and they understand that the attack mm -hmm. is about the other person's mm -hmm. stuff, so to speak, are you saying that it's always appropriate to, um, you know, be, remain as a participant in that situation? Um, or, or is it sometimes appropriate to set boundaries? Um, I don't know much about appropriate. I just know about being present and authentic. Okay. Uh, Appropriate is like something, okay, let's see if that's appropriate, that's not. So that's, uh, that's to me not authentic and that's not spontaneous. That's like a managed sort of thing. Uh -huh. To answer your question, nobody abuses me and I consider myself fairly transparent. Uh -huh. um, so I'm up for everybody's criticism, what you like and don't like. And right. I'm abused. For instance, if I think someone is talking to me um, and they're, uh, they start repeating themselves, I didn't sign up for standing here while you're repeating yourself. I'm going to say, okay, right. so, Christine, let me see if I got what you're saying here to me. And I'll say what I think you're saying to me. I say, is that, is, is, did I get that right? And this is my understanding, by the way, of what you're saying, maybe what you want me to do. I'll say that. Did, did I get all that right? Am I there? We got that. Is there anything else? 
So, okay, what, then, I, then I'll say, well, okay, that's pretty good. Okay, what did I miss? And what else have you got for me? I am not going to do, for, and I don't, I'm being serious with you. I don't, uh, I mean, I'm being real for what I do. Yeah. I don't uh, take my lifetime to listen to somebody a second or third time. What usually is true while we're on that subject when somebody wants to go back over and back over, what they're really looking for for me is agreement. And I'm not agreeing. And so uh -huh. I, my hunch typically yeah. is that they really want agreement. And I'll just say, look, let me be clear with you. This is what I hear you say. This is what you want me to do, or this is what, and I'm not agreeing with you. I'm not agreeing with that, by the way. Mm -hmm. If you want to have that conversation, let's do that. Yeah. So that's about boundaries. You asked me about boundaries. Yeah, and that and that seems like a very appropriate way of doing it because I I I think about um, behavior of of what some would term to be narcissists and that um, and it's the sort of thing where they can come back over and over and over again to try to to get you engaged either in a positive or negative way. And that neutrality can create a situation where they keep coming back over and over again. Yeah, um, absolutely. And, and it, it's, it's tricky to handle. Well, why? <laughs> because if, if you have to listen to it over and over and over again and and, and basically say, you know, okay, well, you know, we're not going to come to agreement on this. I hear what you're saying. After you said that the third or fourth or fifth time, it's like, what are you doing with your life? Okay. You know, it's... Let me jump in here. So you started that paragraph, if you have to listen to it. Yeah. And now, let me break this down. I don't okay. have to listen to it. I don't have to do anything. Why would I have to listen to it? If I don't want to listen to it, I simply say that on the front end and, okay. and I take my consequences. You might be irritated by that. You might have okay. judgment about that. You might think it's not nice. You might think I'm, you might have all kinds of judgments on it, which is just interesting. Right. You know, this is hard for you that, uh, that I did someone disagree. At least I'm disagreeing about this. So right. I listen to it. Number okay. One, so I'm that, that's, that's an example of a boundary. That's, that's the sort yeah. of thing I was talking about before. I, yeah. I love that. Okay. Good. And that's what I mean by accountable too. See, look, if, if I'm, if you're, I want to sit right with this, because it happens to so many people. So it's a great, great thing you brought it up. If I think I have to listen to you, I am now a victim and you are right, a person. Right. And yeah, that ain't going down in accountability. Hmm. I am accountable from the accountable model that we work with here. I'm accountable, Christine, for the quality of this conversation. I'm accountable for the quality of any conversation I'm in anywhere whatsoever. I'm a hundred percent. Uh -huh responsible yeah. for how this is going. Am I getting what I want? Are you repeating yourself? Is this, and, and another thing is, it seems, in the case of narcissists, it seems to be true. They tend to get off quite off subject, whatever that is, uh -huh. which is the next thing that, that's got them lit up. And uh -huh. so like, wait a minute, no, I'm going in my head. What's the content here? What's the point here? And I've noticed I happen to want a point. I, I want to know what the point is here because my uh -huh. hunch is, so I'm just not following it and I'm not signed up for it. I'm following something. Maybe I'm not bright enough or there's nothing here to follow. So I jump in and say, wait a minute, stop. I don't get the point. What's your point? I want you to tell me in one or two sentences what you want me to know. Uh -huh. If they can't do that, I go, you know what? It doesn't seem to, to you're quite sure what you, uh, what you want to say here. So let's pick this up and I can name a time okay. if I want to. Right. That, that, I love this. I, I, and you're giving me examples of boundary setting that's... Um, that are just perfect. We, we have to go to a quick break, Tommy. Um, 
But when we return, folks, we're going to talk more about Please Lie to Me and uh, accountable communication. This is Peggy Snow, practitioner at Stellar Reflections with a Stellar Reflections Minute. So many people these days are trying to find ways to relieve their stress. What happens to our breathing when we're feeling overwhelmed and stress? When we tune in, we realize that we're either holding our breath or taking very shallow breath. To signal the body that all is well, which most of the time it is, sometimes all that is needed is a nice, deep breath to break the cycle. First, exhale to get all the stale air out by engaging the abdominal muscles and blowing gently. Next, take a nice, full breath in, feeling it fill your body all the way down to your hips. Release fully and enjoy the freedom of movement. Notice how your body feels. Do you feel refreshed? Calmness is only a breath away. This has been a Stellar Reflections Minute. For more information about what we offer at Stellar Reflections, visit us at StellarReflections.com or call 425-999-9836. That's 425-999-9836. Learn how to lead a happier life on Miles to Go with Brittany Miles. How to lose to gain it all. Join Brittany every second and fourth Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Listen as coach and healer Brittany Miles shares stories that teach you about surrender. For more information about Brittany, MilesToGoCoaching.com. The vibration of change, that magical place where life shifts from struggle to ease, from stagnation to forward movement from old ways of being to new ways of becoming. If you're like I am, it can be rather elusive to get there, but when you are in it, you feel it down to your very core, don't you? And it can positively affect everything in your life, from your relationships to your health and well-being, from your career path to your abundance, from the quality of that inner connection to the fullness of your self-expression. On The Christine Upchurch Show, we explore ways to get into that vibration of change, with experts in the fields of consciousness, psychology, spirituality, health, healing, and science. Join me, Christine Upchurch, every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on KKNW AM 1150 and Transformation Talk Radio and learn new ways to step into your vibration of change. Are you meeting your sales goals? Or maybe your business plan could use a dose of the divine. Tune in to Divinely Driven Results with faith-based business coach Elise Smith on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Coach Elise Smith helps listeners get unstuck from their business plateau and become empowered through divine guidance. Build up belief in yourself and your dreams and learn business strategies that work for you for real lasting results. Learn more by visiting www.DivinelyDrivenResults.com. Welcome back to the Christine Upshur Show here on KKNW, AM 1150 in the Seattle area and Transformation Talk Radio around the world. Having a conversation today with the author of Please Lie to Me, Thompson Barton. Tommy, I know in the break, you and I were having an interesting discussion about um, dealing with narcissists. And I know that there are plenty of people in the business world who are narcissists and they're very, very successful. Uh, and I know from personal experience that interacting with narcissists can be difficult, um, exhausting. So for people within the, the, the business world um, dealing with this, what advice do you have? Um, let me th- people dealing with that in the business world, meaning employees, 
I take employees it. typically, or or perhaps in partnership with. Um, okay, then a business that would be a business owner. Partnership. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, well, I think it's relevant. I want to make it. I want to see if I can make it relevant. I want to go back before the break. You said, well, and this narcissist is repeating himself. You're listening to the third, fourth time. That mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm. In terms of accountability, um, you who is listening to this for the third, fourth time, that is not about the narcissist or any other, whoever, whatever, if you have a label for that person, that uh -huh. is about you. Okay. You are training that person how to treat you every time you ever interact with that person. Mm -hmm. Every time you ever interact with any other human being in the world from the standpoint of accountability, you are training that person how to treat you. So yeah. if you're going to stand there, well, I'm going to keep repeating this, then I guess that's okay because you're still standing there and you haven't said anything. Now, I can see your eyes roll. I can see all this stuff on your face that you don't like it, but you know what? You haven't said anything, and I got right. this saying I'm going to keep saying it because I want to keep saying it, and you haven't said really anything that's going to deter me from doing it. So you see the dynamic there? Absolutely, absolutely. And Good. and again, that, that um, is a, a type of victimhood mentality or powerlessness. Yeah. Um, so can you give us some examples about, um, you know, how, how to be authentic and to deal with that kind of situation? Okay. And the thing about how to be authentic, I mean, I will give you a little bit of a role play. But the thing about authenticity is that authenticity and being real um, is not a how-to. Authenticity and being real is a question of whether. What do I mean? Say, say more. Whether I'm going to be real or not. That's the first question. That's uh -huh. the hard one, whether I'm going to be real. What does okay. being real looks like? Not very hard once you make the decision that you're going to be real. Being okay. real is simply you listen to what's in your head and you say that. You say mm -hmm. what you're feeling. The question is whether I'm going to do that. And that is why an openness, a lot of people get hung up by, well, okay, now, now how do you do this? And what they're really saying, how do you do this without getting into trouble? How do you do this without the other person reacting in some way you don't want? All right. those bets are off. If that's where you're at, then you're hostage to fear. Because if you finish the mm -hmm. whole sentence, because I'm afraid that if I said this and said that and did this, and there you are. Yeah. So, I'm afraid. Thank you. That's what's true for you. You're afraid. And if you want to continue to be afraid, this is the outcome you'll get. You will never be able to have it both ways, i.e. be authentic and be afraid. Mm -hmm. Now, that said, you got to know, wait a minute. How do you get that together? Back to your question. Uh -huh. My to that is the following um and just back to your scenario i'll be role-playing here in in the face of uh, someone uh -huh. that's called a narcissist in business or otherwise sure and they're going on and on about themselves what they do say look stop stop i would like to speak to what my experience is right now what's going on because i'm not going to continue to listen to this hmm. here's what i'm seeing it seems to me you're upset about this and this, you want this, this, and this, these are your ideas. I will just say what I'm seeing and what I'm hearing. Uh -huh. And then whatever opinion I have about that, I'll say, this is what I think about that. This is what uh -huh. I'm gonna do about that. I'm not gonna do anything about that. And if you have anything else about that over there you're talking about, tell me that now. And then uh -huh. um, I'm pretty much finished unless you got something else. Wow. <laughs> and so, okay, so I know that you take this communication into businesses um, and do people rise to the occasion and choose to be authentic and speak their 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 truth within these 
um, organizations? And if so, how does that affect the organization itself? Well, the short answer is yes. Um, in my book, I give, uh, there's several people, probably 10 people in there with stories, uh, business leaders, either owners or CEOs who have done just what you've said. Right. Um, so, but I think your question is more like, hmm, how does this like get traction? How do you start? I mean, what about do people on board or not on board? Is that correct, Christine? Is that what you want? Well, I, I'm actually thinking that um, people will probably feel really good about being empowered to do that. But I'm wondering when people start to do that, what's the effect within the, the context of the organization? You know, when, when you start to speak truth to the people you've been whispering about or hiding from or, you know, kind of repressing your own feelings about and, and you choose to be, you know, to speak your mind and to, to sort of be more accountable, how does that affect the organization itself? Okay, uh, the, uh, I want to answer that from the standpoint of a CEO or business owner okay. or executive in a division mm -hmm. that has decided, through a conversation with me, has decided they're clear that the people that report to them or the, and, and then on down through the organization uh -huh. don't trust one another, they're not being open, and they've decided this leader has decided that that's a business cost. So they're mm -hmm. in, okay? I'm yep. give you that example. They're in. Okay. So I show up to do this workshop, right? Right. Yeah. Well, how it now I'm going to generalize. How it generally goes is the people in the in the room, whether they're direct reports, and the that's where I start usually is the CEO and direct reports, where that team is. Sure. They're usually scared to death because they know they've talked behind the boss's back. They talk behind other people's back. They mm -hmm. know what's been withheld. They know how phony the meetings are. They know who's doing the job and who's not doing the job. They know who the favorites are of the boss. They know all that stuff. Nobody's right. upset. So now I'm clear that this is what we're going to talk about. And the reason being because it causes the breakdown in trust and trust is a business asset. And so I like explain the concept. And then I start doing various activities or exercises. First, we start with getting their opinions. How important is it? I go around? How important is it to each of you? Speak for yourself one at a time that uh, you trust one another, not just your uh -huh. people say, and I usually get PC. Oh, it's really right. important. It's really, it's mm -hmm. the most key thing. Yeah. Uh, right. And, and um, so now I'm not, it's difficult for me. I'm not too difficult. I won't, but I could give you some technical things I do. They're interesting to me, but what I think to answer your question is at first people are, are very, very frightened. A few people will be, will be a couple, but usually it's a minority going, okay, this is about time. Yes, I'm in. Let's lean into this thing. Most people are going, you're not serious. <laughs> I this bet. The end of my career as I know it. So-and-so over there is absolutely going to blow up. The boss is going to freak out. I better find another job. There's going to be resentment all over the place. There's going to be retaliation. This is insane. That's the reaction. <laughs> yeah. And then we have processes that slowly bring each person a little bit more open, a little bit more open, a little bit more open. The beautiful thing about openness and authenticity uh -huh. is that it is as once it gets a little traction, um, and I'm just gonna leave it there. I mean, I'll speak to what little traction is. Once it gets a little traction, people begin to be a little more real. Uh -huh. It is as contagious as fear. The beautiful uh -huh. thing about openness is it is as contagious as fear. That's great. 
it isn't, but it takes one or two brave people in that room to say something they've never said before. And like, okay, I can no longer, and here's the, here's the reason people bother because they get clear about, and this is a little bit to your how to, they get clear about, and I try to make, make them no kidding, get, feel, take in, don't kid themselves. Let me, let me help you with reminding you of the price you are paying in terms of your self-respect, your integrity, and your physical energy for withholding and distorting and pretending. Right. Because it's like, a, it's exactly like, and I say it's just like a recovering bunch of alcoholics. Everybody is addicted to this fear. And to say that they're not going to go there and fear is not going to, you know, that desire to pretend, that desire to be phony, that desire to not be authentic, which is like a drug. Because right. that's uh -huh. what the comfort zone is. Okay, it just works just like a drug. I say, look, you're uh -huh. a bunch of junkies and dealers. I, I love that perspective. And, and that's why you got this please lie to me thing going on. Uh -huh. just a bunch of junkies so you, it's going to feel about like cold turkey that's how much fun this is going to be uh -huh. to come out of hiding but one person comes out a little bit one person comes out a little bit over here and then it begin to feel the beautiful thing i think is like organic okay it's like uh -huh. they begin to have a feeling that's that they haven't had in so long they hardly remember of relief there's yes. the fear that i'm going to get screwed i'm going to piss them off piss her off but there's another feeling that begins to emerge. It's desperate. You know how, you know, think about like an, as in, in an asphalt uh, parking lots or down the sidewalk mm -hmm. between the cracks, you see a little blade of grass. Uh -huh. Like, wait a minute, you got all this concrete on top of you and you are still trying to come up. What's wrong with you? It's yeah. like, there is this part of us that so wants to be real. Uh -huh. We're scared to death because we don't see anybody doing it. And so we get politically correct. We shut up. We look around the meeting really fast to see who's going to say what. We're not going to say that thing we said in the hall, are we? That's how powerful that fear is to break through. But when the people, few people break through a little bit, like they have this feeling that, oh, and they notice that oh, they don't get busted for it because I'm there. And uh, now I'm, this is in quotes, but I create a safe place. Now I don't yeah. do it. And there's no such thing as that. But that said, the usual way that people mess with one another, uh-huh. I'm going to, I'm calling, that's my job to call that out. That's mm. the thing you started to say and didn't now say that. Now, nobody's going to say that. They don't do that in the meeting. They know what they're going to say and they don't want them to say it. So they're fine that the person doesn't continue. Mm -hmm. Those two people that are starting to argue and get pissed off, usually, oh, let's just, you know, act like, okay, nothing's going on there. It's been going on for three months. That's what they do. Nobody calls it. And then, it, and then in the hall, they say, God, there they go again. You know, that was 20 minutes of the agenda, and it's only an hour and a half. They take their break, right? God, there they go again. But nobody stops it. Nobody says anything. That's how powerful the fear is. But now, when they begin to get authentic and see what it's costing them, you know what I think, what I found, I believe, is that people only start daring to be authentic and real when they have so much suffering. Somewhere it's cost them. Sure. Somewhere it's cost them, just like alcohol, you know, this lost the seventh job, the eighth spouse, by and by, okay, I got a problem. Right, right. <laughs> and, and fear is exhausting. I mean, it's physically debilitating. I think about, um, gosh, going into the grocery store these days. In our state, masks are mandated and people are afraid of getting too close to each other. And just even if I'm not in a state of fear, being around that fear is exhausting. So, um, yeah, it's, I, I imagine that it's, it is quite a relief to begin to let go of that and, and to be open. What so what are the consequences? 
to the business itself. I mean, I, I understand that it, it definitely shifts the dynamics of the individuals, but what about the collective? Um, I'm not sure what you're asking me because I could talk from the standpoint of profit profitability. Um, I wonder if- Or, or just the way, I, I'm thinking about, um, what does it look like within an organization that's gone from pretending and to, to a place of openness and honesty and, and um, you know, choosing to be authentic in, in the moment. Um, if you could talk about just what the, the relationship dynamic is within the business world and then talk about profitability as well. Okay, um, let me see if, I'm, if I've got you here. One thing that stops once that uh, at some point, and it's pretty early on my work with them, one thing that uh -huh. stops is what I call triangulation what is casually called gossip. Mm -hmm. It's me talking about you to somebody else instead of talking to you. Right. That is toxic. It has got to stop. It becomes a high science and art in high school. We think, okay, I'll get out there with the adults in the workplace and we won't be talking like this. About. Nope. Right. Just Joe's on the workplace. That absolutely must stop. Can you imagine can you imagine, listener, a workplace that you've been where people don't do that? Mm. Probably hard to imagine. Yeah. Every place I've ever worked, that's what people do. In fact, I'm looking Absolutely. to find out when I first get there where the groups are. Which one do I want to join? Right. That kind of stuff. And it's very tribal. Yeah. It is. That's. It, it is so toxic. So that goes. There's an example. Okay. Two people that are irritated with one another. Well, let me just back up. So in a meeting. Uh, having a meeting and one person is speaking and another person jumps in on, on top of that. Uh, someone else in the meeting is saying, wait a minute, let them finish. Now before they went, I'm not going to get into that. Right. That's not my job. That's the facilitator's job. That's the boss's job. That's the manager's job. Mm -hmm. Everyone begins to own the quality of the, all the relationships that they are um, involved in, whatever matrix right. that is. Yeah. So, when one of those people, I'm going to do a little, another jump in a meeting for you, but it happens in the halls as well. If it looks to me like you're getting defensive, I'm just sitting there in the meeting. It looks to me like you're getting defensive. If something's happened and you're showing up defensively, one of these defenses that are in the book, I say, Christine, it looks to me like you're getting defensive. Mm -hmm. Who does that? Like, what are you, like, <laughs> psychiatrist in the group or something? No. I'm right. About quality and efficiency. Uh -huh. and that right there, I happen to know is wasting time. Now, I always put up with it before because it was okay, fine. Now right. it's not okay. We don't do defensiveness because that's about win lose. It's not progressive, it's driven yeah. by fear. And the person uh -huh. might say, in fact, the case of Russ Salzer, he's in the book there. Uh, he, he managed, he was a general manager, had about a quarter of a, a billion dollar responsibility. That's one place that I remember. Uh -huh. and, um, he would have, it, it, in meetings like that, if anybody would say, but he would be quick to say, if it looked like someone was afraid of something, uh -huh. so they're getting defensive and going off and explaining, he said, said what's, your, what's your afraid of right now? And uh -huh. he was expecting someone to know, to stop and think and say what they're afraid of, because that got right to the core. What the problem yeah, was. I love that. I love that. I do it like that. Yeah. There was no blame in that. Wait a minute, what are you afraid of? Because usually, uh, you know, there's something there that needs to be dealt with. It's so um, let's let's see. Um, it's the it's the everybody owning the defensiveness. You know, I, I said at the beginning of the show the cost of defensiveness. Remember that? Right. People get clear about this. You know, because let's go back to the meeting. Because so many people have it. They leave a meeting and go, God, you know, the boss he got off off, off subject again. What a waste. 
I had so many more things to do than bloody meetings. What a waste. Our, those two went at it again. You know, Christine and Henry, there they went again. Like yeah. every meeting, they, there they go. You know, I don't want to go to these meetings, but I require. So that's what we say in the hall, right? Uh-huh. Okay. Well, if the bot, now we're going to talk about an accountable culture, accountable group, accountable team. Sure. So the bosses, it seems like the bosses, whoever running the meeting, and it can include okay. the boss. That's why I'm using boss. I want people to know this, the boss is absolutely equal in this as anybody else. Interesting. Yeah. Love that. Fear, the whole fear of authority has to go away. That's another thing. The uh-huh. fear of authority goes away. Wow. I show up in your presence because you're my boss. I don't start uh, contorting because you're the boss. That's over. Mm-hmm. That's over. I can give you feedback uh, right now about how you are with me. And I trust. And this is not faith. There is different trust because I've, I've given you a lot of feedback, a whole lot of feedback that I've never said to you before. And you're still here and you're wanting more of it. So I now trust that you want me to be straight with you. Yeah. Wow. So that you, sounds so powerful. It, it's totally enlivening. It, wow. so you're, you're saying, what's the culture? That's not the word you use, but what's it like? Yeah. This is sure. what it's like. So back to the meeting, just to finish that comment, because I think it's pretty widespread, perhaps for the listeners, is if I see that you, whoever is running the meeting, especially if it's a boss, is going off subject, uh-huh. to me it's off subject, I say, hold on, wait, stop. I'm not following how, where, what you're talking about here, blah, 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 is related to where we started here. Either, uh-huh. either uh, it's not, or I'm missing it. And so would you connect right. it, what you're saying right now to, to this right here, what we're in the agenda item? Uh-huh. And it's, I love that too, because um, I think sometimes people do go off sub- subject, but oftentimes um, the way women communicate is different the way, than the way men communicate. Men tend to be like, you know, like go after that buffalo. Like they're very, very direct. And sometimes women sort of go like this. And sometimes there's good reason for that. And if somebody says, wait a minute, how is that on topic? You can either say, oh, sorry, I'm going off topic. Or it really does relate because of this. Yeah. And without that judgment that would occur if they're yeah. listening and, and starting to think, oh, you know, this doesn't make any sense or this is wasting my time, then they're not open to understanding if there's a potential connection. Exactly. Especially the last sentence you said, oh, they're wasting my time. From an accountable standpoint, this is true across in the world, but we're doing the business thing. Nobody can, from an accountable standpoint, nobody can waste your time without your permission, ever. Mm, I really like that. <laughs> that whole fr- that's know. another one of those cards in the deck. Ah, can't play that card. Take that one out. Nobody wastes your time. Sorry. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> More victimhood. Yes. yes. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, from the profitability standpoint, does this improve businesses? Um, you know, profitability. It, trans- it transforms it. That's been my experience. Uh-huh. I, it's, I, I will, I'll even go this far to say there's no business that hasn't adopted this. Now, I'm, that's different than just reading the book. They got right. to transform the culture that has not had outstanding business results. And not only that, their results are out, so outstanding. Like there's several cited, but one of them comes to mind is in this ophthalmology clinic. Their results were in every single category. It was true for Russ Salzer's work too in manufacturing. And Don White, my business partner, same for him at PNG. In every single category they measure, all the engineering, the flow, the safety, uh-huh. uh, the throughput, um, every single category, they were outside of anything that that company, that those huge corporations had ever measured as the high point. They were outside wow. of it. Wow. Outside of it. There was not, that's why the word transformation is legitimate for this kind of thing. 
Yeah. It is yeah. outside of which thought is possible. So Tommy, we are running out of time. Uh, what's your website? How can people learn more about this? Um, ACT.com will get you there. Accountable okay. Technology is a really long entry. Um, ACT, ACTBIZ, ACTBiz.com. That's uh -huh. better to shorten it. ACTBiz.com. Uh -huh. um, that'll That'll do that. Um, yeah, right. You can get there by putting in accountable communication technology on the web, and it'll it'll take you. Uh -huh. And even yeah. please lie to me. It's the only book in, that's ever been named that in the history of books. Yeah, and, and that's saying something because there are a lot of books out there. And uh, yeah, I really do love this. And I, I'm still processing some of what I've read, you know, and 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 I'm still thinking about all this. But it's, I find this very exciting. Um, you know, people have talked about this, this potential of having organizations where there isn't a hierarchy or where people are equals. But even if there is a hierarchy with this, people still are equals in terms of communication. And I, I love that about this, Tommy. Absolutely. Hierarchies, hierarchies are not a problem. Yeah. They're not a problem whatsoever. People that are not real with one another and are pretending that's a problem. And I have worked with a lot of the organizations that are when it was popular to have flat organizations. Uh -huh. and they're still, they're still doing the politics within that. They're not straight and talking about one another's back. It's just yeah. as nasty as a hierarchy. Hierarchies yeah. are implicit in and of themselves as a structure, not a problem. Mm -hmm. You have a big organization, you have to have hierarchies because you can't get around everything all the time. It's mm -hmm. fine. I would like to so, explain the accountable openness, so I didn't quite get to that. But uh, Well, yeah, and we've run out of time. Um, I want to thank you for being here today, Tommy. I want to thank you for what you've done in the business world and for surviving cancer so that you could write this book. Please lie to me. Um, it's a wonderful book and, I, and I'm still thinking about it, processing it. Um, and I, I think it's very transformational. So thanks for joining us here today. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you. And thank you for joining us here today. I look forward to talking to you again soon. Bye, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in today. If you'd like to empower yourself to step further into your vibration of change, please visit my website at christineupchurch.com where you can learn more about my insights, upcoming events, and private sessions.